This episode of Criminal Domain is brought to you by Norton LifeLock. The perpetrators, up to a few years ago, were of the belief that they could hide behind that anonymity and that we would not be able to actually identify them. I gained enough intelligence in relation to these people to build a very good picture of the group and their associates. I had a behind-the-scenes look at their activity. Australians are reporting cybercrimes to the government's security watchdog every 10 minutes. The internet is street crime on a whole new level, where petty crims can do a lot of damage with very basic know-how. I'm Mark Pesci. I'm Claire Ed. And this is Criminal Domain. Where we take you inside true stories of cybercrime that are often difficult to solve because the first point of proof to charge someone with an offence is identity. And the internet is the perfect place to master. Mm, You get a point there. So it takes someone who can think outside the box to find every single piece of evidence and pull it all together. With the internet, You've got to look at more than just the normal physical evidence. You've got to look at every sort of trace element and every single piece of code. That's the voice of Detective Acting Sergeant Anton Bennett from the e-crime squad at Victoria Police. And it's Anton's job to sift through all the evidence and connect the dots, which isn't easy, but sometimes investigators get just a little bit lucky. For example, the one I'm thinking of, a lot more things were discovered about the perpetrators. You've all seen The Matrix where you jump down the rabbit hole and you find out more about people that you're tracking than you realise and what they're actually capable of doing. This story, and I have to remind myself that it's a true story, is one of those rabbit holes. It involves a stolen Mac and... A Breaking Bad sort of family. Multiple victims. Because I'll never get my full identity back. And that's what I resent the most. And a piece of software the owners never imagined would turn an investigation on its head. The people who were doing all of this, these things and stealing the money and stealing the credit cards and stealing the identities, they didn't know that we were able to see exactly what they were doing. Okay, Claire, just start the story already. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So it begins on a cold, dark and stormy night. Of course it does. No, like it actually does. I actually remember it quite vividly. So this is Georgina and she and her partner David. Hi, I'm David. Are? Involved in running a business selling artificial plants and green walls in Melbourne and we supply and install across the country. Okay, Georgina and David, artificial plants business in Melbourne. Yes, and late one night in October 2016, they're sitting around in their pyjamas and they get a phone call from a neighbour. And he says, you might want to come down here because you've been broken into. We didn't even bother changing into clothes. We were down in our pyjamas in the car down to the factory and you, you sort of don't know what you're walking into. Are we going to walk into a complete disaster situation where everything's basically stolen or smashed or set on fire? What an awful feeling. What did they find? So when they got there, there was a smash door and they called the police and waited for them to make sure that there was no one still inside. But something else that Georgina and David were really interested in, Mark, was their CCTV, which was set up 
all around the entry and exit points of their business. And that was one of the first things that we were checking to see was the CCTV recorder and unit still there, as that may be the only clue that we have to finding out who's done it and tracking down the offenders. Was it an organised crime gang or was it... Or just one person. Right, and that's a key part of information. It was a dark tinted glass door, but you could see sort of through the rain falling and then you could see for a few seconds just this body sort of showing up in front of the door. And whilst it was dark and you couldn't necessarily see the offender's face, it did help to sort of paint a bit of a picture of what had happened that night. Then it shows the person hunting around for something to smash the door with and they walk back a few metres from the door and they find a rock or something like that and they come charging back and hurl it through the glass. As soon as they entered through the door, you could see them roaming around all of probably two seconds. They went straight for the computer. The computer that we used to show customers who came in photos and things like that of the jobs that we'd done. They had no interest in anything else. They left other items of value still sitting on desks untouched. Then the next morning, the forensic investigators came and they took some fingerprints from the door and from a torch that was left over. So the offender who had broken in had left a torch behind. Okay, so a lone offender walks past this shop and uses their torch to see what's inside and then he smashes a window and runs in and grabs a computer. Nothing else? That's odd. Why wouldn't you grab all of the stuff you could while you could? Well, it depends on what your intention is. So if you're a low-grade crim doing a smash and grab, you just grab anything and everything of value and take it to a pawn shop to make some really quick cash. Yeah, so in the coming days we thought, well... Maybe we can do a little bit of detective work ourselves. So we went out there looking for, I guess, shops that might be selling or disposing of stolen property. And unfortunately, we couldn't find our computer, so we weren't able to sort of progress that any further. And neither could the police. It seemed like that Mac was gone until about six months later. But then all of a sudden, it just came back online. And it was a computer name that I didn't recognise because the person who had the Mac at the time had renamed the computer. I was a bit sort of shocked and I remember looking through the screenshots and sort of seeing photos of people's IDs and there were Medicare cards, there were driver's licences, passports and photos of that all in a Google Drive. And I sort of looked at it and I, I said to my partner and a couple of other people in the office, can you come and have a look at this? All right, so this computer has come back online and Georgina could see this? Yes, and she could see what was on the computer. Okay, now it sounds like this computer has some sort of tracking or monitoring software on it, maybe even, dare I say it, spyware? Yes, and so this is where the game of cat and mouse begins. I'll tell you about it after the break. Criminal Domain is brought to you by Norton LifeLock. When you're online, you may not be alone, whether it's cyberstalkers or bots, often you're being followed. We sat down with Dean Williams from the Norton LifeLock product team to ask him about dark web monitoring. Dean, could you explain to us exactly what the dark web is? The dark web is part of the internet that operates with a high degree of anonymity. Normal internet browsers can't access it. Although it hosts a lot of harmless activities and content, it is more commonly known to host an array of criminal activity. So what's dark web monitoring and how does that work? 
Dark web monitoring works to detect if your personal information is being used on the dark web or sold on any hard to find dark web sites or forums. What can happen from my information being on the dark web? We can find your banking, employment, or even medical records. In the worst case scenario, your personal information and identity can be stolen and sold to the highest bidder. God, that's terrifying. How does Norton LifeLock's dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock help? Dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock uses advanced monitoring technology. You can be rest assured we'll notify you as soon as we find your details on the dark web. With that, we give you the best steps on how you can take control and secure your personal information again. So what are a few basic things that you recommend our audience do to protect themselves from online identity theft? Be vigilant when it comes to online scams. Don't fall victim to things that look too good to be true or pursue unsolicited services through emails or text messages. But most of all, make sure you're using a premium comprehensive security solution. Make sure you're using a premium comprehensive security solution and visit au.norton.com forward slash 360 to discover how Norton 360 can protect you online. Welcome back to Criminal Domain. I'm Mark. And I'm Claire. All right, so Claire, where we left off, Georgina and David could see that their stolen Mac had come back online under a different username. That's because it had some software installed on it that the crims couldn't see. So the software that was on the computer was a software called ActiveTrack. And ActiveTrack is an employee monitoring software. And that basically allows you to monitor what's happening on the computer remotely. This is one example of what we call employer spyware. It's actually fairly common. Big business uses it all the time when they give access to their employees to their systems because it allows them to track how those systems are being used by their employees and then track the employees while they're using it. And I can imagine that this would be even more popular right now with everybody working from home and their employers want to know what they're doing. Yeah, and that, that's part of the problem is that, in fact, you don't necessarily want to be watched all the time when you're working from home. It monitors whether employees are doing things or visiting websites that are productive or unproductive. So it takes screenshots of the, what the employees are doing. All of our staff at our business know that it's on all of our work computers. That software, you can set it up to take screenshots every I think from 30 seconds to five minutes. They've also got functionality so you can geolocate devices, lock them down remotely, restore data. And it has a full activity log of basically every click that's done on the computer. Now you would think that maybe when it was stolen, the thieves would actually take the software off the machine, but it's not as easy as that to actually remove the software. It tends to hide itself like good spyware does. And so this software stayed on that computer because the criminals didn't know it was there and they didn't have Georgie his administrative passwords to remove it? Yeah, exactly, Mark. So this ActiveTrack software was on all the work computers and Georgina logs in one day to test that everything's working properly and running properly and that's when she saw the stolen Mac under a new name and she started to look through that log of the screenshots it had taken and there was a Google Drive filled with pictures of identity documents, so licences, passports. Men, women, young people, older people, and there were a whole heap in this Google Drive, and I continued to go through the screenshots, and there were just more and more of, of these documents. We initially thought maybe these people in these identity documents are the people that have 
stolen our computer and that was at the point where we sort of thought oh something's not quite right here maybe we should should contact the police this is not going to be a job for your local cop shop Mm-mm, definitely not and that was when we got the the contact from anton i remember him rocking up and we were sort of you know wondering oh who's this person coming in they look like they're sort of on a mission sort of shows where they have spooks or they have um, CSI. And he found it really interesting and you could tell that he was intrigued by how this software worked and from that you sort of took that he was just so passionate about what he did and he just wanted to know every fine detail. You know, we said to Anton very early on, if you as the police force can solve more crimes and it's beneficial for you, feel free to continue using the software for as long as you need to. He wanted to get these people from the very beginning and I think it from the moment we sort of first met him we went, nah, this guy's, he's going to catch the baddies. This was back in 2017 and it was just an interesting, strange one that people were turning their heads sideways thinking, I don't know how you're going to solve this one, Anton. I'm quite a creative thinker in that everything is of value. And there was a lot of value on that computer. Yeah, I don't think Georgina and David were even aware of that active track software's full capability until the end of the investigation. Because remember, that software meant that Anton could see exactly what the criminals were doing in real time. Just to give you a for instance, in relation to the, the screenshots, in their OneDrive drop-down menu from Google, for example, they had taken selfies of themselves. There were pictures of other relatives, there were pictures of uh, places, backgrounds, there were pictures of them seated in a vehicle. When you went through all the pictures, it actually built its own picture and, and I was able to create a profile of who had had that iMac at one point. Look. There are countries where the government has created a mass surveillance system, collecting billions of images, storing them in a database, using facial recognition to monitor the movements of their people. It's something that has been happening in many countries for a few years and recently has really started to ramp up. And the Victorian police, they can't do that yet. While police in Australia aren't using exactly that, they don't have this enormous database of images, they are using facial recognition technology. Victoria Police said that they had tested it. They say they didn't use it in any of their investigations, but they do use this technology called iFace, and that's for facial recognition to identify offenders in custody. I was actually really curious about what level of facial recognition technology we're actually using in Australia. So I had a chat with Dr. Katina Michael. She's a cybersecurity and privacy expert from Arizona State University. So we call the kind of society we're living in an ubervalent society, is where ubervalence rules. This is where you have identification data, location data, and even condition monitoring data, and even a visual image of people as they're traversing on their you know, everyday errands and way of life and work. What we're seeing is an increase in the use of facial recognition systems, both for government and non-government purposes. Laws come into practice like the capability law. Ah, the capability. Such a creepy name. So what Dr Michael is talking about is this law that would allow the government's national facial biometric matching capability 
aka the capability to go ahead. Now, this is a huge database of all the identity documents owned by the states. So driver's license photos, visas, passport pictures, and so on. And she has some real concerns about this. You know, exact matches are impossible when it comes to biometrics. People often say, well, I've got nothing to hide. Why should I worry? But the real issue is you'll begin to worry if you knew that you have ended up on a list of suspects for a murder crime. The other thing is a lot of people point to this as lazy criminal investigation. So real criminals, if I can put it like that, are very aware of not leaving digital traces, not even in driver's license photographs, nothing digital. And so what we now have is maybe a, a smaller pool of people that are completely innocent and yet we're trying to match and we are already seeing biases in algorithms. And this is an issue that law enforcement have to deal with. So did Anton use facial recognition technology to track down the people and the images that were stored on that Google Drive? I did ask him that and he said... No, because the pictures have to be a certain quality to do that type of investigation with that technology. It's quite particular. So in this particular case, I had a lot of information in those images which included screenshots from mobile phones with internet transactions with shops. So I contacted those shops, which indicated the use of credit cards made to use to purchase some goods. And that opened up the investigation from that point where I could then conduct searches on those individuals and family and known associates. So then I looked at all the pictures that we have in our own records and see if any of those matched any of the pictures of people in the Google Drive pictures, and in some cases it did. Uh, so is this that Breaking Bad type family that Georgina and David were talking about? Mm-hmm, yeah. I tracked it originally to a family group of offenders, two sons, a mother, a stepfather, two daughters, who were operating on a much larger scale of multiple internet scams. And these scams were built on the hundreds of stolen identity documents also saved in their Google Drive. Mark, each one of these stolen identities could be turned into hundreds of thousands of dollars in value. Man, there is plenty more to this story. And Claire, did Georgina and David ever get their Mac back? Hmm, maybe. I'll let you know in the next episode. Thanks to our sponsor, Norton Lifelock. And if you've just joined us, check out our earlier episodes. Thanks for listening. Criminal Domain is brought to you by Norton Lifelock. We decided to sit down with Dean Williams from the Norton Lifelock product team to ask him some questions about the topics that we're exploring. With so many logins to all the subscriptions we have, there are just so many passwords in our world. Dean, you were telling me it's very important to have different passwords for every login. Is that really important? It is very important. You need complex and unique passwords. It's hard work to create and remember and store all of those unique passwords. So Dean, how does the Norton 360 Password Manager actually work? Norton 360's Password Manager is a fully encrypted vault. It's compatible with your devices. You simply go to the URL, Password Manager will recognise that it's new credentials and simply ask you, do you want us to save them? You click yes and it's stored in the vault. What else does Norton 360 do? Safecam. Cyber criminals can use techniques to access your webcam, which is pretty scary. 
so I don't need to put tape on my camera. Exactly. Norton 360 uses technology to identify and block access to your webcam. Can I actually do that? Yeah, absolutely. They can access your camera. Norton 360 doesn't require you to turn it on, runs in real time. Anytime an application is accessing your webcam, a malicious access request, we block it. Now, currently that's only for PC, isn't it? Yep. Dean, thank you for your, uh, your advice. So any quick tips before we go? Make sure you're using unique passwords. Don't start calling them after your favorite car or your favorite pet. But most of all, make sure you're using a premium comprehensive security solution. Make sure you're using a premium comprehensive security solution and visit au.norton.com forward slash 360 to discover how Norton 360 can protect you online.